Hey, this is John Strasse, and this is the Sower Seeds podcast. And today we're going to continue on our series about the heart of the gospel. And I really love this topic because it's very broad. We could do 100 episodes on this because this is really what our life is about. This is what we were giving. This is what Jesus did. And I want to just go back and we're going to go into a couple of scriptures today. Um, so much, I'd have to say, I couldn't possibly get it into an episode, or I couldn't even get it into a few, but, so I'm going to have to kind of refrain myself and just stay on point with some of the things that are in my heart to bring into this particular episode. So, I just want to bring you back to Romans that Paul wrote, and that was his centerpiece on the gospel, really, his main writing on the gospel, and it's one of the most important letters you could read when it comes to thinking about the gospel and learning and, and asking God to show you what this is all about. And I, I pray that, you know, you would always pray that the Holy Spirit would guide you and help you understand what these things mean and just give you a greater revelation day by day, because you grow up in these things day by day, as to what the gospel means for you. It's so important because our salvation is a very great salvation, and a lot of Christians are not aware of that, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this particular thing. And that's not a source of insult or condemnation. It's just the way it is. We've, over, the, over time, have somehow reduced what the gospel means. And one of the questions that was posed is, if you were to say, what is the gospel, and you know, ask a, an average meeting group or a group meeting or a church or whatever, and you would ask them, you know, what does the gospel mean to you? Does it mean I've, I can go to heaven? You know, I received Christ, so I can now go to heaven. And you ask a church that, and you'll find out that the vast majority of people actually do believe that pretty much that's what it means. And that's sad because the word for gospel and salvation, they're very, very rich words. And they have great depth in them. And so that's what we want to talk about here, that our, our salvation, this gospel is the power of God unto salvation. You know that the good news is the gospel, and it tells us what Jesus did. But we, we need to know, what did Jesus do? So that's what this is going to be uh, looking into here today. So I want you to you know get back into Romans, and I just want to go over one scripture in the first chapter of Romans that we touched on last time, and that's verse 16, Romans 1 and verse 16. And Paul is saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Now, everyone that believes includes you, me, and anyone who believes. Nobody's left out. If they believe, they have received the power of God unto salvation. They hear this gospel, this good news. They hear what Jesus did for us, and they receive it, and it brings salvation into their lives. They believe by faith. And verse 17 says, For therein, meaning the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. It's, it's really like saying the justified. We are just because we have been justified. And all of this 
by faith in the work of Jesus, the finished work of Jesus. And one of the areas that most people thankfully agree on is that we can't save ourselves. Only Jesus can do that. And it's only through his work on the cross and the resurrection that we believe on that and that we are saved, salvation. But when we think of saved, you know, again, we would say, well, what does saved mean? And again, the question would be the same. Does that mean that you just, you made it into heaven? I'm saved. Because here in verse 16, it says, it's the power of God unto salvation. And salvation is viewed as a very limited thing today, at least for a lot of people. And it's sad because salvation here, the word here is soteria, but that's related to the word sozo. They're the same thing. They mean exactly the same thing. It's a, a deeper word. And that word, if you were to break it down, sozo or soteria, means, and that's the Greek word for saved, or salvation, those two words. Salvation is soteria, saved is sozo. Those words mean saved, healed, delivered, protected, preserved, made whole, kept safe, and sound. And even more than that, it even goes broader than that. And when you look at it that way, you begin to say, all right, it's the power of God unto being healed, delivered, protected, preserved, made whole, kept safe and sound. That's not the picture that most people walk away with when they, then when they say, well, I, I was saved. They just feel that they have been given the right to enter into heaven after this life, you know, after they die. But they tend to muddle through their Christian lives and things are pretty, pretty limited. Let's go to John 10 and verse 10. And Jesus says, he's talking to them, and he had been telling them that he is the door, and if any man enters in, you know, that they can enter in and, and shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He was talking about that. But in verse 10, he says, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, we've talked about that in some episodes. But look at this. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, this is really, really a huge statement. It's a scripture that a lot of people know. And I think because it's just common, we just said, oh, that's nice. You know, we, we listen to it and we think it's just, it's nice. And yes, it is, but it's a whole lot more than nice. And this is what I want to bring out when we're seeing what Paul is saying. It's the power of God. Okay, so now we're talking about the power of God unto salvation. That's a big deal. So we're talking about something very powerful here. And Jesus said, he has come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now that's powerful. So I started to look into this. And there's three words in here. There's a lot of words in here, but there's three words I want to bring out. And there's a concept I want to bring out. First of all, when he says, I am come, that. So there's first four words. I am come, that. He had to accomplish something when he was here. It wasn't just that his presence here brought about life to you. He had to pay a price. 
And I want to teach on this. I want to teach on what happened during the crucifixion. We're not going to do it today because it's so lengthy and it's so detailed, but I at least want to bring it up. The crucifixion and the resurrection together is what Christ came to do. He came to be crucified. He came to be killed for us. He came to be a sacrifice for us. And when you read those accounts, and I would encourage you to do so, read any of the accounts of the crucifixion. Look in Matthew 27, for instance, and uh, it would probably start around verse 26 or so and go up to verse 50. You will read an account of the things that happened during the crucifixion. And you will begin, if you go slowly with it, it drops my jaw. It does every, I've been reading it all week and it has changed my life because I see this price that was paid. That changes everything. And when I see this massive price that no other human has paid ever or could pay, and when I see the weight of it and the massive size of it and the cost of it, that that's what was done so that we can say that we have life and that we have it more abundantly, that we can say we are saved, that we can say I've been made righteous, that we can say I am justified. And we can do so by believing in this work that Jesus did. And when you see the price paid, you wouldn't walk away from looking at that and say it was just for the sake of you saying, well, I can make it into heaven now. There's so much more. And it's awesome that we make it into heaven. Yes, we do have that. But Jesus spelled that out by saying that we have everlasting life. But when he was talking about salvation and, and having this life and having it more abundantly, he was also talking about the life that we would live out here, which you saw all the apostles and all the believers lived out. Today, sadly, many pulpits are just preaching that we just kind of muddle through, that this, this is no longer... Uh, the way it is. It's not the way it was in the first church anymore. It disappeared with the apostles. And that's just a shame. I find it hard to believe that God sent his son to suffer such a massive things that the world would only have about 70 years of this awesome life to live out and that the rest of humanity was supposed to muddle through and not look at all like the first church. That's just hard to believe that Jesus paid the price he did so that that's all that would be left. He paid the price he did so they could live out the lives like they did in the first church. The things you read in the New Testament, they weren't done away with, even though some say that they were. And we have been liberated. We have been set free for a reason. And I think that what he's saying here applies to some of the things that Paul started talking about in another chapter in Romans, which I'm going to take you, chapter 8. But Jesus is saying here, I have come. And the purpose that he came was to pay that price. Paul said, I've been bought with a price. He understood the price. And as I see the price more clearly myself, I realize this salvation we have is massive. It's huge. And when we see the word saved or salvation, 
we do realize that it is. We're, we're, we're healed, we're delivered, we're protected, we're preserved, we were made whole. And, and just so much more. It applies to our natural needs, it applies to our spiritual needs, it applies to our emotional needs. It's all covered. And God is there telling us, this is what I've done for you. And a price and a heavy one was paid to accomplish it. Don't let it be that that serious heavy price was paid and you, and you don't garner from what God has done for you greater things. God has a wonderful, amazing life for you. And he did pay a heavy price for it. That's got to change the way we look at this. If you paid in the natural world a heavy price for a home or a car or some sort of belonging, you would expect a lot from it. If you went to a restaurant and paid a heavy price, you would have expected something great. And we as humanity really didn't expect much of anything from God. He gave us this for free. He chose to pay this price. We didn't ask for it. He did. And he gave it to us. That's why the word gospel doesn't just mean we're sliding into heaven at the end of our lives. The gospel is this deep, intense word that means news that's so good it's hard to fathom. And the word salvation is the same thing. It's such a big word. It's hard to fathom. And the price that Jesus paid is impossible to fathom. And then, after all of that, he raises from the dead and gives us the right to be his brothers and his servants and his friend and that we have peace with God, his Father. And he gives us these gifts and this joy. And it takes me to a scripture that may seem small at first, but it's not. It's massive. It's the same thing as many of these other verses. We just kind of read them, but... They're so deep. My encouragement to you is that you spend time with these things and say, Lord, what does this mean? And and before I go to Romans 8, we're going to go there in a second, but it says, you know, that in, in John 10 and 10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That have, that word have, is this very deep word. It's an incredible word. It's actually spelled out like echo, E-C-H-O in Greek. And I don't think it's related to our use of echo, but whether it is or it isn't, it doesn't matter. It really means to, to have as if you are clothed in it. And that there's this, this bond like marriage. This isn't just that, yeah, I have, a, I have a couple of dollars in my pocket. No, this is I have. And this is why I'm saying this, this verse Jesus is saying, I have come that they might have. And this is this deep word for have. And then he says they might have life. And that word life there is, is zoe, Z-O-E. In Greek, zoe is this deeply intense word for life. A good way to put it would be the, the absolute fullness of life which belongs to God. That's what it means. It means even more than that. But the absolute fullness of life that belongs to God. And Jesus is saying that they might have the absolute fullness of life that belongs to God. 
And not only does he say that, but they might have, hold, the absolute fullness of life which belongs to God more abundantly. How's that for something big? And that word, I don't even know how to pronounce it in the Greek, it doesn't matter. But that word is as massive as the other ones. It, it means superabundant, superfluous. It means almost violently that you have this. <laughs> it's excessive in both quality and quantity, both. That's a powerful statement, folks. That's a powerful statement. That's what he came to give us. And he paid such a heavy price for it. Don't walk out of this conversation of good news just thinking you have nothing more than to muddle through life. You have more than that. Much, much more. I've heard it said by people who, who take the time to study these things that the Bible has, I think, 32,000 some odd promises. And those promises belonged to the people of God if they were able to follow the law, which they were not. We know that now. And they were under a law that said if they performed properly, you know, you could look it up in Deuteronomy 28, and you can see the blessings that you had if you walked under the law, and you could see the curses you have if you didn't. Look it up in Deuteronomy 28. It's, it's worth every Christian looking in that. Deuteronomy 28. Look it up for yourself. That's your assignment this week. <laughs> the beginning of that chapter, uh, the first 14 verses are going to show you the blessings and the rest of the chapter is going to show you, which is a longer stretch of the curses. But the beauty of it is, as you read it, please remember that you were set free from that law. You are no longer held accountable to the law in that way that you have to somehow do all these good things to be justified. No, we just read in Romans 1, Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. That's verse 17. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. We now live by faith. We have grace. We were given this. Jesus took the punishment of this law. All those curses you see in, in Deuteronomy, that all came on him on the cross. That's what he took. Christ redeemed us from the law. Look at Galatians 3 and 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. This proves this point. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. That was the cross, and that's why the cross is important. Let's go over to Romans 8, verse 2. You know, Paul had been talking about a lot of things, and he starts off Romans 8, uh, we'll start with verse 1. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation. You see, you are no longer condemned to them which are in Christ Jesus. That's what he's saying. He's been talking about the law and this all along. He's saying when we believe in Christ, we are not under that law. That's why he, again, wrote Galatians 3 and 13. Same writer. He said we, we were redeemed from the curse of the law. We're not there. So Romans 8 and 1 is one of the most important verses of your life. 
There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I'm going to teach on that another day. That's an important thing. There's a difference about being in something and walking after something. A Christian can actually walk after the flesh and find himself personally condemned. But that's another conversation. So, but God is not the one condemning you, and that's important to know. If you're in Christ Jesus, you are not condemned. Even if you sin, you do not pay the price that people did in the Old Testament when, when curses would come about. We are liberated from the curse of the law. And here's your proof. Verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And the law of sin and death was the wages of sin. In other words, it's a universal law. And it's saying that when we sinned, we received death as a wage. You know, another way of saying this, um, that the law of sin and death is the law that when we sin, we receive death instead of life. When we sin, we reap the curse instead of a blessing. That's what the law of sin and death was. But because of the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set me free from the law of sin and death, we are no longer reaping the second half of Deuteronomy 28, <laughs> even though we haven't kept every part or precept of the law. That's why Galatians 3 and 13 is important. It's saying that Christ Jesus redeemed us. He set us free. He bought us. He purchased us with his own blood so we would not have to pay the price of sin and that we would not be even under that law of sin and death. In that sense, when you see it as a law, it's more or less a universal law like gravity. It works every time. And now we live under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And even if you don't fully understand what that means, it's just good news that you know, well, this is a good thing. And I'm no longer going to be condemned by God because I'm in Christ Jesus. That's verse one of Romans eight. You got to look at these things and spend time with these things. We're going to stay on these things. We're coming back to this. This may be a lot to take in, but it's, you got to start somewhere. And if you go back to John 10, 10, like we were saying, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life. This absolute fullness of life which belongs to God. In other words, this is the life he wants you to have in you. That's not a life that's going to walk under condemnation. You're now a son. God has made you sons and daughters. That's your new place. Even if you don't feel like it. And even... If you do something wrong, you're forgiven. It would be good if you go to the Lord and say, Lord, I wish I hadn't done that. And don't just go off and go sinning. This isn't a license to sin. This is a license to be free from sin, actually. It's the goodness of God that changes our life. When we see the price that was paid, that changes our life. When we realize what salvation is about, that changes our life. We are just not these weaklings anymore that are bound in sin. You are free from sin. The old nature that was bound in sin is dead. You have a new nature. But you have old memories. 
in your body and in your mind. And Paul called that the body of sin. You don't have an old nature and a new nature at the same time. Old nature's dead. That's what baptism portrays. You rose up a new creature. You're not dead and alive at the same time. They show that in you know cartoons when you were younger. There's an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, meaning that you have these two parts of you alive at one time. You do not. That's wrong. The old nature is dead. The new nature is alive in Christ. You're a new creature in Christ. And people say, well, then how come I struggle with sin? Because you have memories in your mind. Your body has functioned this way your whole life, and here you are just saved. Your spirit is brand new. But Paul said you become renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renew your mind in the word of God. Find out who you are. Find out what this gospel means. Find out what this salvation means. Look at the price Jesus paid. You'll change. You'll become a whole new creature. I'm a completely different person than I was 15 years ago. The things I thought and did and was weak, and it's just not there. And it's genuine. It's gone. I'm not perfect. None of us are. But it, it, I am a new person. And it's the word of God that changed it. It was truth that set me free. You know, this is, this is what the Lord does. He, he saves us and then he gives us more truth so we can see it. Look in your Bibles, look through Romans, look through John, look through Ephesians and see these incredible promises that you have. And the word of God will change your life. This is all-encompassing, our topic of the heart of the gospel. And there's so much more. I'm going to close it here because we're running too long. We will come back to this topic. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. 